Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Blue, what do you like about not being in schooling? I feel so much better about myself. I like how relaxed I feel all the time. Not all the time, but much more of the time. I worry less. And I feel like I get to do more projects. I get to learn more about myself and what I like doing and what I don't like doing. Stand up bussing and fighting. Hello. Hi. My, <laughs> my name's Alika Radway, and this is Re- Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising children. Today, um, I am joined by Tirsa McQueen, who I don't know like how to describe our relationship because we've never had a conversation before. We aren't, like, friends yet, per se. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're, like, in the same battle, but, like, Mm -hmm. we just haven't met. We're, like, fighting the same battle. So um, can I, like, comrade might be a way that I would describe it. Um, Welcome to the pod. Say hi to the people. Thank you for having me. So um, today we're talking about really... Oh my gosh, this big this big umbrella idea of unschooling and where yes. that meets our goal of raising free children. Like where does mm-hmm. unschooling and um freedom of children kind of intersect? And I'm really excited to have you here with us because I, you know, I, I stalk you on Twitter. There's like some people that I just like, I got to check in. I want to know what the people are saying. And you're <laughs> one of those people. And you're like really kind of in the front lines of helping to frame this conversation of unschooling around the experience of black children, particularly. And so mm-hmm. we like to start the pod with one word to describe how we're feeling about ourselves. So how are you feeling? I feel inspired. I still feel inspired. Mm. I, you know, I, the pandemic is just reframing like everything, how we think about things, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that something of this, you know, catastrophe has to push it to the forefront because it should have been already been like top of mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes when we have we have to like have something terrible happen in order to jumpstart the conversation mm-hmm. in the direction that it needs to go Absolutely. and get people to see what, you know, you're talking about Absolutely. any other time. Absolutely. So I feel inspired right now. Oh, I love it. I am feeling ready. Like I just like got yeah. out of the locker room. We warmed up mm-hmm. already. We're on. The, I just feel I feel ready right now. That's like, that's how I'm feeling right now. So tell the people about yourself. Hey, well, I'm, my name's Tirsa McQueen. I'm a mom of four kids. I have a 14-year-old son, 12-year-old daughter, and nine-year-old twin boys. Um, we've been homeschooling for like about six years, but like unschooling probably for like the last three. Um, we move around a lot. We're from New Jersey, but 
um, we moved to Texas. That's where our homeschooling journey started because Texas is a really homeschool friendly state. Um, so we're, while we were there, we started homeschooling and then we were there for four years and now we live in Florida. So, you know, I'm just a working mom, wife, um, unschooling mom. Tell us about your people, your four people, what? your children, my your what? children. Oh, my children. Oh, okay. Um, my oldest son is, is 14 and he's into engineering. He loves like all things, engineering, coding, that type of stuff. He, he studies Japanese, you know, he loves anime and my daughter, she's 12. She's really heavy into Girl Scouts hmm. and she likes to bake. Hmm. Yeah. She, um, and she also likes, um, Sims. She likes to play Sims. Um, every day. And then the twins, I don't actually know what they're nine. So they're still like <laughs> coming into their own. Yes. <laughs> like they are just, you know, some days they like this, some days they don't. They're still trying to like figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that whoever they are, they're going to be polar opposites because their personalities are just opposite to each other. Wow. But it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. What is. Well, where is the place that you feel most connected to your children? Well, I like we we have like really long conversations. And I think that unschool allows you to have those like deep, meaningful conversations. We can have conversations about anything. Yesterday, my son is very like into like um, my 14 year old son. He's very into physics and like the reality and what is real and what is not. So he he tends to take like a more scientific view of things versus my 12 year old daughter. She takes more of a, you know, philosophical view. So we have long conversations about what is real and what is not Mm -hmm. real. You know, yesterday we had a conversation about when life begins, you know, my, you know, my 14 year old son's telling me that, you know, life begins in when cells combine and that's life. And I'm telling him, well, it's more a political conversation than, you know, your 14 year old Mike can handle. And we just go back and forth. We went back and forth for hours and my daughter jumps in and my husband jumps in. And, you know, those are the type of things that we think of. And we just talk about those things all the day. And I, I feel most connected to them when we have these like deep conversations mm. and that they're trying to figure out the world, yeah, you know, and I just feel like this is unschooling and not being in school is the perfect opportunity to do that and mm-hmm. to, you know, become the person you want to be and like field out all of these questions and mm-hmm. just continue to have more questions because, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. That's what I always try to tell them. Like, don't think of things in terms of right or wrong. Listen, you, you, you getting into it already. So we like to start the pod. <laughs> I love it. We like to start the um, podcast by doing recollections. So I asked you to do a recollection. Yes. And the reason why we do recollections is many times we think about ourselves as parents. We're thinking about who we are now versus who we were then. Um, yeah. Which really informs how we parent and how we think of our children. If we really want to connect with them, we really need to kind of connect with our childhood self. So when I was thinking about this conversation of unschooling um, and being a black parent, a parent of color, the, you know, something that keeps coming to mind, kept coming to mind for me is this idea of like trust and that I have this, or I'm developing. Let me be. Let me let me talk about my process. <laughs> I am developing yes. 
trust not only in my children, but also in myself and my instincts and what Absolutely. I know and mm-hmm. how connected that is to my ability to trust this process of unschooling um, and that my children will be good and are. And the level right. and, and the thing that came to mind for me was like faith and this idea of mm-hmm. like, you can have like this strong, like I have faith in this. And so I asked mm-hmm. you to do a recollection or think about a recollection of a faith and whether it's a, a faith that you had in something as a child or something, a faith that you witnessed as a young person. Um, so can you share your story with us? Yes. I, well, I thought a lot about the question. And unfortunately, what kept coming to my mind is the times when my parents or teachers were not allowing me to have faith in myself. Mm. Like there was things that I knew that I wanted. Like I there was things that I felt like this is what I should do. This is the direction I should take. And people kept shutting me down because I was too young. I didn't have enough experience, you know, so. I can just remember, I remember the first time I was in this like accelerated program in my elementary school and I didn't want to go anymore. Mm -hmm. And I I kept, I tried to get convinced my parents that I didn't want to go to this accelerated program. They put me on a bus every Tuesday and sent me to another school where I had to take all these extra tests and all these things because I was one of the smart kids. Well, I didn't want to go. And I just remember them telling me that I didn't know what I was talking about And that this was going to be good for me in the long run. And I was just miserable throughout the whole thing. So when the idea of faith comes up, I just remember there's just this feeling of wanting people to have faith in me as much as I had faith in myself Mm. as a Mm -hmm. child. And just feeling like, how can I have faith in myself? How can I trust myself if the adults around me aren't allowing me to make the decisions for myself? How can I develop any type of like faith in myself if I never get to practice it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that just like stayed with me all the way up until I became a mom. Mm -hmm. The the idea that I was a human being and no one ever let me make my own decisions, you know, and I had to take orders. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea that developing trust in yourself is not something that we afford to children. Mm-hmm. I wasn't afforded mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like people kept, everyone shut me down. Mm-hmm. So I just slowly, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. not, it wasn't like right away, yeah. you know, but yeah. it was just this idea that, you know, I know I, I could have made decisions. Listen, I don't know if it would have been the right decision or the wrong decision, <laughs> but it would have been my decision. Yes. You know, I don't know. Yes. Yes. I don't yes. know. Yes. You know, but it would have been my decision. And I felt like, when I had children, this idea just stayed with me. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're their own people mm-hmm. and I should allow them to make their own choices mm-hmm. so that they can develop this faith in themselves, this trust in themselves in order to have practice of making decisions. Like, you know, Alfie Cohen in one of his books said, you learn how to make decisions by making decisions, mm-hmm. not by taking mm-hmm. orders. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that. And I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you already getting you into it. You like, you dropping names. People, the people don't even know who you're talking about. You dropping names. Oh, we gonna, no, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. It's interesting when you yeah. are telling your story. Um, sometimes I prep a lot. For, like I have a thought, a story in mind that I want to share. And in this, like I asked you to do a recollection for faith, but 
there wasn't necessarily one that came to me right away. But as you were talking, something that did come up to me, this idea of like trusting yourself or a time where I just like had faith in what I knew mm-hmm. and what I was going to do. When I, The memory that came to me is when I was... I want to say, I know exactly how old I am. Why am I acting like this? Because it was the summer between freshman year of high school and sophomore year in high school. I remember mm-hmm. it. So the year between freshman year of high school and sophomore year in high school, my grandfather d- died. And we, my younger sister and I, went to stay with my grandmother in Florida because my mother thought that, it would be a good idea for her to have us around and company and, and like, I'm going to ship you off. She probably also wanted a break um, for the summer. And so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we, so anyway, we went down there. I remember very distinctly. We drove down there and we got there and I was like, you guys are staying. We're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, no, you guys are staying. We're going back up. <laughs> I'll come for you later. So this is like the summer between freshman year and sophomore year in high school so you can only Mm -hmm. imagine i was not too happy about the idea of spending any extended amount of time in southern florida with my jamaican grandmother who was a very devout is a is was um god bless her so um devout christian and i was like Mm -hmm. this is not cool it's not cool so we were down there and somewhere I got it into my mind that I wanted to get my ears, my second hole of my hair, ear. So I had it, my ears mm-hmm. pierced. I'm Jamaican. We get our ears pierced when we we're like three months old. But I, I wanted, I was like, I want a second hole. And in mm-hmm. Southern Florida, um, there are a lot of these like flea markets, which was new to me because I'm a kid that grew up in New York City. But I went down there and you go to these mm-hmm. flea markets and there's like rows and rows of like, places you could buy the cutest outfits um get your nails like all kinds of things in these flea markets and i one day i just told my grandmother i was like i'm going to the flea market and i took my little sister and we walked to the flea market and i was like i'm getting my ears pierced and i went into <laughs> yeah. that flea market I'm, this is so crazy <laughs> and I just like found the person and I was like, I'm getting my ears pierced. And I got my, I got my second hole. And I think I, my mother didn't realize that it happened until she finally sent plane tickets for us so we could return back to New York City. And I showed up. I don't even think, I don't even remember my mother's response. Like she was not, I I actually don't even remember how she reacted to it. I imagine she was like, mm-hmm. I guess I left you there. This is what was going to happen. Um, but I just remember this level of like confidence. First of all, a knowing of what yeah. I wanted. Like it was, I was away from mm-hmm. my friend. I wasn't with, it was literally something that I developed the idea of the wanting in my own head. Whether it's like I saw it somewhere or not, mm-hmm. it was like something I desired. I wanted this. No one else was going to see right. it. I, like I would, I desired it. And then I had the, like the faith and the confidence in myself to go through and do it. And whatever the results of it was going to be, whether when I got home, my mother was going to lose her entire mind because I did it or yes. not. Like, it didn't even factor in. I just kind of went with it. And it is a feeling that has stayed with me. Like, that kind of, like, mm-hmm. leaping out. Like, literally putting something on my body, like, piercing my ear. Yes. Um, I did that. And there's a way in which mm-hmm. not until, I think, until I 
turned 40, like got to like had kids move that I now feel that same, like not only understanding of what I want, but the Mm -hmm. authority and the faith in making decisions to get it. And so that is such a great story. (laughs) So is yours. Thank you. No, it is because no, no, it is because that is your take. You were taking autonomy for your own body. You know what I mean? You were saying this is my body and I can do what I want with Mm -hmm. it. And I have like a very similar story. That's why your story just gave me goosebumps because like my freshman year of high school, my dad gave me $50 to go get my hair done. Mm -hmm. And I decided to get my hair cut off like Tony Braxton. He wasn't there. (laughs) He was not there. He was like, here's your money and go get your hair done. Well, you know, I had like a really long, like, you know, hairstyle. Mm -hmm. My parents had decided for me what the hairstyle was going to be. And I had like this black girl rap, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That was all the rage. And I decided, I was like, you know what? I just want to cut it all off. I'm going into high school. I think I was 14 years old. And I was like, I'm cutting it off and I'm going to look like Tony Braxton and so I cut all of my hair off. And I just remember that same feeling that you described. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I know someone's going to say mm-hmm. something to me, but I don't care because this is my body and I'm making the decision for me. And it's unfortunate that I think a lot of times when parents see that, it's like a rebellion. Like you went against mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going against you. I'm going towards yeah. me. You know what I mean? Say it. (laughs) That is a word. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, that's so powerful. That's such a great story. I mean, everyone will look at that and say, oh, that's just like a teenage girl Mm -hmm, thing to do. mm -hmm. But it's such a monumental Mm -hmm. thing, especially in a young girl's life, to take control of her own body. And just like getting your ears pierced Mm -hmm. or getting your hair cut Mm -hmm. off or coloring it. You know, that's why I, I mean, unschooling is like an education educational like philosophy but it's also like extends to life like you said like with this trust Mm -hmm. so i've always like tried to give my kids that type of trust like whatever you want to do is your hair absolutely it's not my hair you know what i mean whatever clothes you want to wear those are your clothes those aren't my clothes i'm not wearing i mean it's so it's so interesting it's just like the smallest thing you can do but it's a huge thing in the grand scheme of things oh it's huge like just let a child decide for themselves what they're going to wear, what their hair is going to be like. You know, I take my daughter to get her hair braided and the hairdresser will look at me and say, you know, what do you want? I'm like, look at her. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. does she want? Mm -hmm. Don't look at me. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. Just because I'm paying for it. It's not my hair. Mm -hmm. It's her Mm -hmm. hair. Okay. Don't ask me. Mm -hmm. Ask Mm -hmm. her, you know, and just those little things are the things that how we, you know, help our children become who they are and just tell them whatever you want to be, whoever you are, it's okay with mm-hmm. me. However you want to look, it's it's fine mm-hmm. with me. And I think that that type of like autonomy is something that everyone should try. It, like, like we said, it's not always easy. You know, it's, it's not. It's the hardest thing. No, it's the, ha- I wanted to, it is. it is by far the hardest thing I have chosen to do is yes, allow my children to be all of who they are all as mm-hmm. much as possible. Like it is, it is because they are complex people yes. with like all kinds of things going on with themselves that don't always fit into what I want to do with my day <laughs> or like how, what time I want to go to sleep or right. anything. And something mm-hmm. that was com- like came through for me, like what you're saying. And as I was thinking about all of who I was when I was that, 
like I love teenagers. I always say it's like I love teenagers. I love myself as a teenager. They're There's great. like something about that that <laughs> time that I just I just want to I, I, I want to hold on to it. We have this conversation at home all the time. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think your internal age is? Like, who, what is your age? Like, your forever age. And with my youngest, she's eight. <laughs> We're always like, so you're 420 years old. Like, that's your age forever. You were born at that age. That's the age you are right now forever. And I'm always like, I'm 16. I'm 16 for life. <laughs> like, that's yeah. who I feel like all the time. And I realize mm-hmm. how much as an adult now, I have to unlearn that I learned through elementary school, Mm -hmm. through high school, through college, through working, through becoming an adult that I have had to unlearn. And something that I'm constantly grateful for when I think about my children not being in school is that they have so much less to unlearn because the learning part is Mm -hmm. like, People think like learning's hard. I'm like, learning, you're gonna learn, yeah. you're gonna pick up, you're gonna learn. But unlearning, that is mm-hmm. like that's like lifetime worth of work. And so oh, I guess yes. I want to start with what did you have to unlearn to be able to unschool with your children? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um the I think the main thing that I had to unlearn is the idea that learning is something that takes place at a special place in time. You know, like learning is something that happens inside of a classroom with, and there's a special person, a teacher who directs the instruction to you. And it only happens between 8.30 and 3, you know, or it has to look like this. It has to have a chalkboard and a teacher who's writing on the chalkboard while all these students are, you know, just listening and taking notes. When I started to think about unschooling and really research it, learning happens all the time. I can't not learn. Like I'm having a conversation with you right now and I'm learning. Mm -hmm. There's something I can't avoid doing. I mean, like try to go a day without learning. You can't do Mm -hmm. that. It's, It's impossible. So reframing what I thought about learning, how it happens, you know, where it happens, it happens everywhere, it happens all the time. And just getting rid of this idea of ahead and behind. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't, you know, have my kids on some type of like what your kids need to know by the time they're in third grade list that they would fall behind. Getting rid of the idea that they're, you know, some type of like race that my kids are, you know, subscribed in that if they don't do these things, they'll be be behind. Be behind who? Mm-hmm. Be ahead of mm-hmm. who? Like just reframing all of these things, unlearning all of these like ideas surrounding education mm-hmm. was the first thing that I had to do to like unschool my kids. And just like you said, trusting mm-hmm. them, trusting that they are learning all the time. Another thing that I do um, in unschooling that is it's helped me a whole lot is to l- observe more than I interact. Mm-hmm. So when I when the kids are doing something, I will just I, it's my instinct to like want to go in and say, oh, did you think about doing it mm-hmm. like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you try to do it like that? You know, instead of just now I just sit back, I look at what they're doing. And in my own mind, I think, what are they learning by what they're doing? 
Mm-hmm. Like if my daughter is like baking cookies, what is she learning? What is she practicing by what she's doing without me interacting, without me, you know, stepping in and making sure the cookies don't burn or did you put vanilla or anything like what is she learning? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's learning to follow directions. Mm-hmm. She's learning math. She's learning fractions. Mm-hmm. She's learning kitchen safety. She's just watching her and thinking to myself, what is she learning by what she's doing? I, I mean, yeah. And also, you know what I mean? And then another thing, I, this is a huge thing for me. Sorry, it's like plastic. No. <laughs> um, a huge thing for me is, um, is just thinking to myself, whatever they're learning is none of my business. Mm. And that was a hard Tell one. me more about that you know, one. Like, well, because a lot of times we, we've been conditioned to think of learning as something that is that you perform. So it's something you you learn something and then you have to perform it for people. You have to tell someone about the book or you have to write a report about it or you have to take a test and perform everything that you learn. I took away the performance. So whatever you're learning, that's between you. You know what the stakes are. We talk about, you know, when you grow up, you know, you see mom and dad. We have jobs. We have to take care of ourselves. You already know what the stakes are. So whatever you're learning and whatever, however you get it done, that's on you. That's not on me. It's none of my business. So you don't have to, when you read a book, if you want to talk about it with me, okay. But you don't have to write a paper Mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you learn some new math function, Mm -hmm. great, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to take a test to prove Mm it. You learned it. If, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me, which it's none of my business. I mean, what you just, first of all, all the words <laughs> you, like, you said you didn't do like you said all of the things um and i think something that came up for me as you're talking is this idea of something that i have had to unlearn is lying and yeah. this idea that once you live in the light once you are telling the truth and you're you tell your children the truth then mm-hmm. all of this other things around perform everything you spoke to performing having to like prove that you learned this thing having to mm-hmm. um like I, if i'm scared i get to say i'm scared you know like if i'm worried about something right. i get to say i'm worried about something i get to say racism is real i get to say white supremacy mm-hmm. is real i get to say like yeah we gonna do it here but that doesn't mean everyone else is gonna be okay with that like i get to tell them the truth um and stop lying right. and i had to learn that i had to like unlearn yeah um all of these like ways of surviving in this world that mm-hmm. i was trained to do to succeed or oh you know what in succeeding meaning like live you know like get yeah. all whatever the accolades are, whatever it is that you need to function well, like l- recognizing, like tell the truth about what that really is about and tell my children the truth of what that really is about. Um, is something that I definitely had to shift in my thinking. And in so mm-hmm. has opened me up to being in community with my children in ways that I did not know was possible. I definitely did not have with my own parents as far as, um, being in the light all the time about what's hard, what's not hard, what works well, all of it. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how you got, because you said, you said the same thing has happened to me. And I just want to, I mean, I'll get emotional on this, on this call, but, you know, on this interview. But part of what I feel is though, as I try to go down this journey, it's like knowing that I'm in community with other black mothers 
that are trying mm-hmm. to do this work of allowing their trusting their ch- black children are going to be okay in spite of the reality of the oppression that they will face feels like it feels like faith it feels like this kind of like how could you possibly think if you are not throwing everything at it that your children are going to do well in this world um right. and so i really appreciate the fact that like i get to be in community with other black parents and i so when i started my journey around like rethinking how i wanted to Edu- like how I wanted education because like unschooling is so not edu- it's like so different it's hard to frame it but yeah. I knew that it was going to be different than my the way I was taught and I knew it was going to be different than mm-hmm. traditional public schools or traditional schools at all or anything like that at, but I started down this route of like progressive education so we're gonna you know I, we're gonna mm-hmm. engage I was a progressive educator so I was trained as like I'm gonna educate like my children are asking questions and no grades and all of that and then it like moved to like actually that's not enough because I can see all of the mm-hmm. white supremacy all up in this. So we're going to move. Mm-hmm. We're going to move further. And then we became, um, I started running a, a free the Brooklyn Free School. Um, and I went down this path of like democratic education. I was like, oh, there's a whole nother level of like opening up what is possible for children and like how they can be. And then the next progression came when I started looking around even this structure like, but wait a minute. But wait, 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 wait one minute. <laughs> Who's this for? We're not looking right. at race here. This is not, mm-hmm. this is like some neoliberal kind of philosophy way of thinking of everybody fends for themselves. And what does it look like when the outside world doesn't support whatever your child wants to do and be? Like, then what is, how does this work? And now I've I've landed at like actually the whole thing has to go out the window. <laughs> like actually the whole thing is broken. Mm-hmm. So can you tell um what was your process? Because like you said, you didn't start out with unschooling. And I hear and I know the story from no, so many of us is like we start with like, okay, we're gonna go move further, like get more progressive, more open, more open. You get to homeschooling because you can't find it anywhere else, any kind of structured space. And then there's this like Actually, <laughs> actually, yeah. is throwing it all out. Right. How did you get there? That's it's pretty much like the same thing. Exactly what you said. Like I started with the um, my oldest fourteen and my youngest. I mean, my daughter twelve. They were. I don't even know. I want to say nine. Yeah, I want to say like nine. My son was nine, and my daughter was seven. And we just decided to give homeschooling a try. Like, I always had that in my mind, like I said, to trust kids, Mm -hmm. to trust my Mm -hmm. children. And at one point, my son said to me, you know what, mom, I think I want to try homeschooling. I think I want to, you know, not go to school. He he was fed up with the injustice of school as a, you know, nine-year-old boy. He, at one point, you know, the teacher had decided that because one person had disrupted the class that everybody couldn't have uh, recess. And that was just the biggest injustice in the whole world mm-hmm. to him. And he decided that this was it. Like, I'm not doing this mm-hmm. anymore. Like, you know, at that age, he became like a revolutionary. <laughs> like, I cannot believe that I didn't do anything. And this woman has the power to keep me from going outside. Mm-hmm. And that was it for him. He was like, I want to stay home. And I said, you know what? Okay, let's try it. So, 
when we first started homeschooling, it was mostly like a school at home because I didn't know what I was doing. So I just, you know, moved the whole, everything that I thought the kids needed to do based off of my conditioning. I just moved that into the home. But like you said, it wasn't working. I was like, you know, you're at home, but they were still miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought this would make you Mm -hmm. happier, but you're not happier. And it's because, you know, I've just replaced that figure in your life that is telling you what to do, what not to do. Now, it was the teacher before all day, and now it's me. So let's try to think of other ways of doing Mm -hmm. this. And so it just slowly evolved into unschooling when as I got more um, educated, as we, we had more experience and just the things that they started doing, the kids started doing on their own without any, any intervention from me, I started to understand like, Oh, they can do Mm -hmm. this. Like they understand this. If I just let them explore the world in the ways that they want to, they'll learn all the things. Mm-hmm. I don't even really have to do anything mm-hmm. because there's just like this myth that adults say about children or that they, if we if left to their own devices, they wouldn't do anything. You know, they would just sit in front of the TV all day or play video games all day. And first of all, like I said before, everything's learning. There is no such mm-hmm. thing as doing mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so just reframing my brain to think of it like that. The television became a resource. Mm-hmm. The video games became a resource. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I said, observing them, thinking about what are they learning by playing Minecraft? Mm-hmm. What are they learning by watching this TV show? Mm-hmm. And just minding my own business. They grew in ways that I had never even anticipated or could have even suspected mm-hmm. by just taking my hands off and just being more of a observer and just saying like, listen, this is your education and you got to do what you got to do. Mom's here if you need anything. So, you know, you take control of your own life, but if you need something, you got, I'm here to provide you with the resources, Mm -hmm. period. So anything you need, just ask me for it. If you need a computer, if you need, you know, you want to sign up for a class, you need more flour for your cookies, whatever you need. I, I got to get you that. That's my responsibility. But it's your responsibility to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And they were like, cool, let's do it that way. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, all right, fine. As long as I as long as they know whatever they need, I'm here to give it mm-hmm. to them. The things they can't get for themselves. That's what I'm here mm-hmm. to give you. You know, even if it's if if I can teach it to you, that's mm-hmm. fine. I, I could do that for you. Or if you want to look it up together, that's mm-hmm. great. But you got to take this into your own hands. You have to be in control of your own life because, you know, like you said, it is it is difficult out here having, especially I have three black sons. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it is not mm-hmm. this is a daily thing. Like I cry every single day about all of the, you know, kids and the mothers in the world that have to go through all of the police brutality and like, I can't even imagine, Mm -hmm. but I do know that what we were doing wasn't working. And that's not going to save them from any of it. I mean, that's the thing. It hasn't. hasn't. It hasn't. That's the thing that drives me insane about all of why not try something else. And why can't they get their freedom now? Like, why can't they have it? now in their childhood right. versus we're exactly. gonna we're gonna keep it from you and then once you succeed to what because there is no there's no end in sight right then you can like make choices for yourself then you can like play then you can like decide 
how you want to live your life and what you want to do when that is not true. That is unfortunately no, for, for us and for our children, that yeah. is not the case. So can we get it's it now? True. I tell my kids that all the time. My son, he's 14, and I tell him all the time. He says, Mom, I want to get my hair cut. Like, get your hair cut however you want to do it. If you can't do it at 14, when are you going to mm-hmm. be able to do it? Because the black man in society, they're going to tell you, like, well, that hair's not mm-hmm. right, and this hair's not right. Would you go into corporate America? Do it now. You know, do whatever you want to do. Because, you know, like you said, nothing else is going to save them. And, uh, you know, what's really weird is the fact that my kids are super conservative. <laughs> like, I give them all of the freedom in the world. And they just don't do things. I'm like, well, you could you could get your hair purple. You could, no, no. They don't want to do it. Like, the more freedom I give them, the less. Ain't that, isn't it take. crazy? Isn't that the truth? It's so weird no, to I gotta me. Say and, the, and you know why? It's yeah. because they don't have anything to rebel against. Because they feel like you know they are. I mean? I mean, I don't know what it is because it's, it's, it's my, it boggles my mind. Because I will say this. I will say this. I have three children. You have four. And they are each different people like completely different people and with the two older the two oldest you know i have a 14 year old a 12 year old and a eight year old so very close to you like same yes um and with my 14 year old my 12 year old there's a way in which this kind of ease of which like giving them that freedom and the choices they're making are so in line with who i am as a person and like what I want for them. And there's like this pushing or like this engaging around, well, what do you really want? Where are your boundaries? What is the parts that I mm-hmm. put on you? That is really who you are. So we're having these conversations, those feel, you know, those conversations and like you're sitting and talking and, and then I have my youngest who is a whole other, <laughs> a whole other thing. Like, you know, like I, 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 I understand like, you know, coming like, hey, we're, Blue and Mox, like, yeah, unschooled. They got it. It's going to, like, they're going to flow. And then there's my glory, who really challenges me in this mm-hmm. different kind of way around, like, you really want to do this? Oh, you you really think you about mm-hmm. this life? You about this, like, I'm going to get to, like, make my choices and I'm going to grow and I'm going to decide? Let's, let's, re- let's really talk about it. Let's really talk about it, mom. And it's hard. And you know, like, yeah, and, I, and I and I think like it's not, and the, the reason why it's hard is because I am scared. I I am scared. I get scared. You know, like yeah. I I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm a human being in this world, and I get scared about what the world will allow for her, and like mm-hmm. is you know is who she is as a person and how she wants to be in the world and how she like what she wants to choose to watch and what she wants isn't necessarily in alignment with the things I want for her and mm-hmm. and and I the conversation I constantly have to have with her is like well whoever made that TV show wasn't thinking about you I know you really want to watch yeah. this and we got to engage in those conversations and it's really frustrating and it's really hard and so trying to do this work without like and the work I'm saying is like allowing your children this freedom without the support of a community and a society that's about supporting and uplifting your children. That's what's the hard part about it. It's not who they are. It's that we live in this world where no one is thinking about my, your, our black children and making sure that what is out Mm -hmm. in the world for them is celebrating them and supporting them. And so you want to allow them this freedom, but figuring out how to balance that not even balance is not the right word. How to acknowledge 
that our homes and the worlds that we're creating for them are not what they're going to be met with outside of that space is really scary. Blue Moxie, I am constantly, well, not constantly, but it happens often that you guys tell me a story of something that happened to you in school that I don't have such a positive reaction to. I'm actually overwhelmed by how horrific it is. But you didn't say it when you were in school. And it's like happening, it literally happens quite often. We'll be sitting around and you'll tell me about a time a teacher did something or a classmate did something or a friend did something. Um, And I guess I'm wondering, like, do you know why that is? Like, why it is that these horrific things that happen in school, kids keep to themselves? I think there are a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's like you feel guilty. Uh, Sometimes it just doesn't feel like that big of a deal. Sometimes you feel ashamed of what happened because someone touched you in a way you didn't like. Um, And then you just have to, when you grow up, you process those things that happened to you. And then I guess after you process them or need help processing them, you tell it. We tell you when I think we're ready to tell you subconsciously. I mean, the things I know about school were horrific enough, hence why we're not in school. You're not in school anymore. We've tried different kinds of schools and we ended up where we are. But I wonder a lot about if parents knew all of the like microaggressions that are really macroaggressions that happen to children. Like it's big. You say micro makes it feel like it's a small little thing, but actually they're like big things that happen to children every day in school teachers being like racist to them and sexist to them and saying harmful things to them people getting physical with them schoolyards are just the craziest places in the whole wide world i don't even understand who thought that was it's like a free-for-all you survive (laughs) that is the goal to survive Right now, we are in the middle of a pandemic, you know? Yes. And as part of being in the middle of this pandemic, a lot of children, a lot of parents are having to spend time with each other in ways they have never before, Mm -hmm. never imagined before. And the level of frustration and the level of, like, exhaustion and um, all of these feelings that people are having around trying to figure out how to do this. And yeah. um, recognizing, and something that keeps coming up that's driving me crazy, and I know you speak to it a lot too, is like not recognizing that it's not your children. It's not even you that makes what you're trying to do now hard. It's this larger society, this oppression that is at like making it difficult versus this idea that we really just need to get kids back to school. We really just need to get kids back to school and this is crazy and how are we here and all of these things. And I just keep thinking of like, no, it's not. I'm scared too. I get it. I am scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. trying, but acting out of fear is not the way to go. And how do we recognize right. that when we are trying to push our children back into school, when we are trying to push our children back into these systems that don't work for them, so much of that is based in fear. 
And I don't think we recognize that or speak to that um, as really oppressed parent people who've been oppressed ourselves. And so I wonder how do you like, what do you do with your fears? Like you just meant to talk to your child, like about having these children and all of it. I totally hear what you're saying. Like, I'm afraid too. like, you know, I, I don't see how you could be a black mother and not be afraid. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like, it just it just comes with the job, you know. So but what I do is. There's nothing I can really do about my fear. I just try not to pass it on to my children. I try to let them as much as I hum- as much as I can. Do what they think they can mm-hmm. do. Like I said, like, you know, give them the free reign to go as far as they think they can go. Because they're not going to go that far. Mm-hmm. I give them all the freedom in the world, but they're not really that comfortable leaving mom and dad and going mm-hmm. that far. We have like a store that's like, you know, like a family dollar or whatever. It's like less than a mile away from our house. And my oldest son started saying, like, I want to walk to the store. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like th- we live in Florida mm-hmm. and, you know, I, Trayvon instantly comes to my mm-hmm. mind. You know what Absolutely. I mean? I, you know, and it's just like, he's like, I just want to walk to the floor. It's less than a mile. I used to walk to the store at younger than 14. So why am I so afraid? You mm-hmm. know, like uh, there's lots of boys that walk to the store every single day and they come home fine. Mm-hmm. Why am I so afraid? And if he trusts himself to do it, I have to give him that mm-hmm. same trust. I can't pass my fear onto mm-hmm. him because that's exactly what I would be doing if I said, no, you can't mm-hmm. go. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I started to do is I said, OK, I put a bucket of like change by the door and just put like dollars in it. If I find, you know, some at the washing machine and just sh- and I told him, like, listen, OK, if you want to go to the store, here's the money. You take the change out of there. You know, all he's getting is like a soda and some mm-hmm, Cheetos or something. Mm-hmm. And just go ahead and walk to the store. Just let me know that you're going. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this is before he didn't even have a, a phone. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. me. Like when I was walked to the store when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I never cell phone. Cell phones didn't mm-hmm. exist. So, you know, just go ahead and walk to the store and come back. If you feel like you can handle mm-hmm. it. And we had all the conversations surrounding what to do if, you know, the police are asked you and what to do. Like we had all the conversations, but he said, no, Ma, I want to do it. I'm ready to do mm-hmm. it. So he started walking to the store by himself. And when I tell you it's less than a mile and I was still of course, like, oh, my gosh, of course, it's hard. Of course. But then he started doing it all the time. And the more he did it, the less afraid mm-hmm. I became. Because it wasn't, it's not that I'm not afraid of what can happen anymore. I still am. I have more trust in him. Mm -hmm. The more trust he shows that he feels, the confidence that he feels in himself, it makes me have confidence in him. That if he feels like he can do this, who am I to say that he can't? I'm just going to put the fear on him. I think that is part of the gift of the unschooling also. And like, yeah. why I really want to encourage, and I think so much as I, I, I think it's so helpful that you share the journey you're on and the experience you're having. I try to share as much as possible, like what I'm doing with my kids and how just to sh- show, just to be in community with other parents around what is really hard yeah. um, about going against the grain and like trusting yourself and trusting your children, but their ability to trust themselves, like 
for the, our children to be able to trust their own instincts, which is something that I truly believe school kind of steals yeah. from you. <laughs> like your ability to yeah. think critically for yourself. I mean, I am, mm-hmm. I keep saying like the lack of like introspection, the lack of critical thinking, the lack of like, this is what it said on TV. So that's what I'm doing that I find adults doing during this pandemic mm-hmm. is driving me absolutely insane. But when I tell my <laughs> children, you know, we walk outside and like, mommy, why are those, you know, why are those people not have, why don't they have masks? And I'm like, well, because it's, they don't have to, because, you know, the TV said, you know, that they don't have to have on masks. We're in the Netherlands now. We live in Amsterdam. We just moved here, which mm-hmm. is a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a similar thing. Like they're here and their, their government is, the government is telling people what the boundaries are. But when my children go outside, they're like, that don't make no sense. Like that doesn't, that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I know that this is what it said, but that, I don't think that makes sense. Why are they doing it? And this idea that my children know to question what the government, what the news, what they're seeing, what I'm telling them, where I see grown adults are not able or willing to investigate and question what they're being told is so scary to me. It's so scary to me. And yeah. I and when I think about it, like, they learned that in school. They learned right. that authority tells you what is and what isn't. And that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And that is something that will take a whole lifetime to unlearn. And I, yeah, not only that, they also shut you down when you question absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like you're just saying, you know, well, why are we doing this? I mean, just asking someone, why am I doing this? It's like, to me, it's like, you can't get any more critical thought than that. Questioning why, just like your kids did. I mean, that is critical mm-hmm. thinking. Why aren't they having, why don't they have the mask on? We know with everything we know, why mm-hmm. don't they? I mean, right there, they, those are the type of questions they shut down in school. Like you don't, you know, just do what I'm saying and don't ask those type of mm-hmm. questions. Regurgitate what I tell you onto this test form or onto this school report. Just keep doing that. It's it's crazy. I really worry. I mean, the thing that like kind of gives me pause or like makes me is worry is that the, for, um, you know, when the pandemic happened, I talked to a lot of people who I consider to be social justice activists, people who are really thinking about the way in which systems need to change and shift. But when it came to school and education for mm-hmm. children, there's mm-hmm. this like, I don't even know what to call it, but this this longing for what, what the, like making the system work. Like, so you hear a lot of people saying like the fact that kids are out of school now is like the worst thing ever to happen to black and brown children. The fact that yeah. black and brown children are going to not be able to get food or black and brown children are not going to be able to um, get access to technology the way they were. Like everything that school is supposed to provide, they're not going to have access to because the like they're just stuck in their their homes with their parents. You know, God forbid. And I keep and it's one thing to hear it from white folks. Like it's one thing to hear it from 
white folks and pundits and all of it. But when I hear it from black people, educated, but like leaders, you know, like people mm-hmm. who I respect people who are writing and doing amazing things of like talking about white supremacy. And yes, it breaks my heart. It completely yeah. breaks my heart because schools are schools are prisons for children. Children right. are scared in school like children are. And like it is an anxiety building, oppressive, white supremacist, like, and, and I don't care what kind of school it is. I don't care if the teachers are black. I don't care if they're teaching about um, Afrocentric. I don't give a hoot because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it is based on a system that's rooted in white supremacy. That's just what, it's not just what you're teaching. It's how you're being taught. It's how you're learning how to function in society. It's how you're learning to not listen to your body when you have to pee. It's how you're learning like Mm -hmm. who has the authority or doesn't have the authority. It's, it's all, it's in all of the things and it is driving me crazy. And so I'm wondering what, what do you, I know, like I I know (laughs) because you have similar frustrations. What do you how well how do you talk to friends, family members, other parents that you know who are really anxious or like feeling pressure for their children to be back in school because they feel like they're missing something? Um and like what do you like what do you think that's all about? Well, I think that I tell them that, first of all, they're not they were missing things while they were in school. They were missing the family time. They were missing your presence and you were missing them. Mm. A lot of people. This is the first time. This is the most time they spent with their kids since their kids were toddlers. Like you should be enjoying it. You should, you know, relish in this opportunity to have more time with your children. So the fact that you want to rush them back into school, like, listen, I understand people who need to work, you know, and whether we like it or not, what we found out during this pandemic, that school's not essential. Mm. You know, it's just not. So it's, it's main function is daycare. And a lot of people are rushing their kids back to school because they don't they don't know how to juggle everything and having their children at home. How should, how would they know? This is the first time they've ever had to do this. You and know? the system is set but up I that way. That, that you, is by design. Like, yes. That oh is no, by absolutely. Design. It's set up that way. I hear a lot. I have conversations with lots of people after they find out that we're unschoolers, even just homeschoolers, and they say, "Oh, I would love to do that, but." You know, I don't think I could teach my child. I don't think that, you know, I have to work. So one person has to be home during the day. No, me and my husband, we've, we work opposite shifts to make this work. Mm. I know personally three women who work shift work and they take turns homeschooling each other's kids mm. because they're able to, you know, I'll work Monday and Thursday. You have the kids that day and they just change their shifts around. So that they can mm-hmm. do it. There's ways that black people can do this, even though, you know, we haven't always been afforded to have the stay at home mom mm-hmm. or one person stays at home. You can still do it. You're just going to have to get creative. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and the this thought process that I think is a lack of creativity that you're so conditioned by society, mm-hmm. so into it. You you can't even think of another way. There's just no other mm-hmm. way. And that's not true. There is another way because I'm doing another mm-hmm. way. You're doing mm-hmm. another way. There are plenty of people who look like us who have decided that what the 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 way that has been for like the last, you know, 100 years, that's not working mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. So we can either wait for this school revolution to take place and everything to get changed in school. I, I'm telling you right now, I know my kids will be graduated before that ever mm-hmm. happened. They've been talking about changing the school since I was a kid. <laughs> I don't have time to mm-hmm. wait for that. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my children to have to be like, oh, always hoping that things are going to get better when we can just take the control back into our own mm-hmm. hands and do it our own mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Because they, we don't know. None of us know the future. All I know is everything that my mom told me that we, I needed to get an education for. That's not true. Jobs that exist today that didn't exist when I was mm-hmm. a kid, when I was in school. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing as a social media influencer, you know, and that's a job now. Like you're telling these people like, oh, you have to do these things to get jobs. Well, you don't even know what jobs are going to exist when your kids get out of school. And, and There's I just no say, way to know. If we can't do the jump during this pandemic that's what that that's the thing that i didn't realize and i think everybody should really be checking themselves around if you are so conditioned that you are not finding other ways of being when we have been hit with this like sci-fi-esque you know experience Mm -hmm. Exactly. How tied are you to these systems of oppression that already exist? No, absolutely. Even if e- yeah, people are holding yeah. on to it. You're holding on to it when you should be yeah, letting even, go. E- Let it even go. Even those of us who are the most like anti white, like talking all the talk. You really, we really need to be checking, like, what are the things that we need to get, we feel like we need to get back to? And the idea and the fact that academia, education, this school structure system is one of those things should scare all of us, should scare all of us. And Mm -hmm. I think the other part of what we need to understand is, like, the reason why schools exist is so we can have a workforce, so that... Mm-hmm. Societies be so that these 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 um structures can have all the the workers going to work, and also socializing our children into how to also become workers, and that could be any kind of workers, doctors, right. you know, factory, any any level of like you have to still abide by these systems, and the fact that we as oppressed people, oppressed parents are not thinking how scary it is that we are sending our children into these spaces to be educated, to be trained, to be like socialized that are not in our, in their best interest and not aligned with our belief systems is really like, it's, it's really scary. And it's very interesting to me. I think that you've given us all a gift because absolutely the idea that there are so many different ways to do this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that they're not just one type of parent that can try to allow their children these experiences. Like there's so many different ways of doing this. I think it's such a gift. Um, Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to talk to you guys. This is awesome. Absolutely. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Stand up, bussing, and fighting. 
This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. Why don't we get together and live in one love and one unity, you know? Rebel in the morning, rebel in the evening too. Now don't you be like a devil when I play with sounds called a rebel, rebel, rebel. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.